Bibles. You've heard it before. It's the number one bestseller in the world. Bibles. Many of us have multiple Bibles. If you go online, go to BibleGateway.com, there are literally dozens and dozens of Bibles. Some of you have the YouVersion app on your phones and on your iPads and on your um, tablets. And there again, dozens and dozens of Bibles for you to read. And you can read them almost in any language now that you want to. Bibles. God has given us the Bible. And the question is, do you read it? Do I read it? It's amazing. Again, I was talking about God's timing. 50 years ago, exactly, exactly 50 years ago, I got my Bible from the church that I was attending as a little boy, right? And so here it is, all right, 50 years old, and it says, on the, presented to Curtis Law on the occasion of his entering the third grade of the church school of the Chinese Community Church of San Diego, California. And I received this in third grade because I wasn't as smart as our first graders are here. <laughs> right? But I remember trying to read this Bible. And I got about as far as Noah. And starting in Genesis chapter 1, I got to about chapter 10. It was very exciting up to then until the begets began. Right? And then it got a little boring, and so I put it down. Years again, I would try again. I would start at the beginning, because that's how you read books, right? You start at the beginning. And I'd get again to Noah, and I would get bogged down and put it away. Well, eventually, I came to know the Lord. I came to know him, and, and I received another Bible. It's called the Living Bible. And it was one of the very first paraphrases that was ever written and popularized here in the United States. And it's just a wonderful Bible. It's really easy to read in contemporary language. And so I began reading again. All right, I'm going to do it in Genesis. Genesis. So I begin again. And I'm looking here, and at that time now being a Christian, I was very interested in the Word of God, and I would highlight. So if you look at any of my Bibles, you'll see a lot of highlighting. And so I looked in here, and I made it. I made it all the way to Numbers, right? <laughs> so I got to Numbers chapter 3, and the highlighting stopped. But if you go to the New Testament, all the way from Matthew to Revelation, it's all highlighted. I was able to read the New Testament, but I never made it through the Old Testament until years later. I wonder if I'm alone in that struggle. My guess is I'm not. My guess is that every one of us at one time or another have said, you know what, I want to read the Bible. I want to read the whole Bible. And you begin, and you're really gung-ho about it. And about, you know, five weeks in or five days in, man, this is harder than I thought. What do I do? How do I get through it all? God wants us to read his word, and we know that. We know that. And as Jerry said, we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. We're beginning our third decade of ministry. And I believe fully in my heart that this decade of ministry is meant to be an amazing decade for us to make a difference in this world. Not just in Irvine, but especially in the areas where we have our missionaries and where we send our people out into community, that God wants to make a difference. Where does it begin? It begins 
in God's Word. We need to be people of the Word. We need to know the Word so that we can share the Word. And so God has given to the leadership of this church, beginning first with the elders and then to the deacons and now to you, an idea that we are going to read through the whole Bible in essence of its story over the next nine months. School started this week or a week or two ago. And through the whole school year, we as a congregation are going to go through the Bible and we're going to be using a book called The Story. The Story. And we're going to explain more about that throughout the message and then at the end. And everyone's going to get a copy. And we'll talk about that and how you get your copy. And our children are also going to get copies. Our youth are going to get a youth version of it. Our children are receiving uh, books, uh, picture books that they'll be able to read at home that you'll read with them. And the story is going to help us to understand the whole story of God's Word. Because God's Word is precious. And it's meant to be read, and it's meant to be fed to us. And we need to feed on it. We need to eat God's Word. Look with me on your outlines, if you have an outline in your bulletin. In the very first point of the outline says, the story will stimulate us. The story will stimulate us. Well, what is the story going to stimulate us to do? The story is going to stimulate us to cherish and digest God's Word. To cherish and digest God's Word. There's a vision for what we're doing with the story. There's a vision for what we're doing with everything in the life of this church. And if you look at above that, the, about the, the story will stimulate us to cherish and digest God's word, you can read above that our vision for the story. Would you read it with me? Let's say it together. Our vision for the story at Harvest is for each person to experience the life of God and his word in their daily lives. This church-wide endeavor will help us to cultivate a community of harvesters who are maturing in Christ's likeness and making disciples across generations in Orange County and around the world. Now, the letters that are italicized is the vision of our church. And we cannot fulfill the vision of our church of making disciples in Orange County and around the world and across the generations of our children without God's Word, without the Bible. And when we understand the Bible, we will understand it in such a way that it will change our lives and bless our lives. Look at Psalm 19, 7 through 10, right below, and I'll read it. You can follow. The law of the Lord, that's the word of the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. And when we look at that, we see the beauty of God's word. We see the expanse of God's word. When there are many titles to God's word, law, statutes, precepts, commands, these are the titles that tell us that God's law apply to every area of life. And then we see the quality and the characteristics of God's Word. The Bible, it is perfect. It is absolutely trustworthy. It tells us what is right 
It is beautiful, bright, and radiant. It is pure and faultless, and it is a sure foundation on which we can build our lives and build our church and the church's people. And so what's so important about us in reading God's Word is to read it, digest it for ourselves, that it'll become personal to us because God wants us to know it and because we love Him and because we worship Him And even as it says here in Psalm 19, because we fear him. And the word fear there means fear. It means that we have a reaction of fear in such a way that we want to respect God's word. And we have an awe for it because we respect the author of God's word. We need to know that God has authority. We need to be reminded of God's sovereignty over our lives. And he tells us to read his word. When I was in seminary, um, I had to take Greek at the beginning of seminary. And it was just really hard for me. Right? I'm, not, I'm not good at foreign languages. And um, my professor was a very well-known student and um, expositor of Greek. He was a known theologian. In fact, he helped write the NIV, edit the NIV Bible. His name's Walt Wessel. And Dr. Wessel was my professor. And the very first time that I took the class, I quit. And I left. And I I didn't, you know, I knew I'd have to go back to it if I wanted to graduate because it was the first class you have to take. But I couldn't do it. It was too hard. So some time went by and I went back. And I, I knew I had to take it, so, and he was the only professor of Greek, and so I took it again. And so then we're, we're taking it, and I, I have a tutor now. I have somebody to help me, but I still find it so hard. And sometimes it was so hard, like I wouldn't do my homework because I didn't know what to do. I didn't understand it. One day we went to class, and Dr. Wessel was saying, all right, let's pull out our homework, and let's see how we're doing. So for the first one, um, how about Curtis? Curtis, tell us what your answer is. Oh, I don't know. Why don't you know, Curtis? I I didn't do my homework. All right. All right, Bob. Bob, what's the answer? Bob says, I don't know. Dr. Wessel says, well, why don't you know? Because I didn't do my homework. Dr. Wessel looked at our class, said, how many of you didn't do your homework? And the look on his eyes told us that a number of us were guilty. And I'll remember this always. Because Dr. Wesso chided us, and he corrected us, and he reprimanded us, and he rebuked us. And he said, if you guys want to be pastors, if you guys want to serve the Lord, you must know the word of God. And if you don't study it, you won't know it. And yes, it's hard, but you've got to put your heart into it. You've got to try. You've got to work at it. And he goes, I want every one of you right now to leave this room and to go somewhere and think about whether or not you're committed to learning God's word. And we left. Rightly chided. Remember I found a little classroom where I could be all alone. And I began to think about what he said, knowing how hard Greek was for me. And I began to cry. And I cried And there was pain. But then in the tears, there was a voice. 
Not an audible voice, but a voice that I feel is from the Lord. And the voice said, Curtis, do you want this? Do you want to pass Greek? Do you want to go on in seminary? And I said, yes, I do. And then the Lord's, the voice said to me, have I ever let you down? Have you ever wanted something and I didn't provide for it when it was good? And I said, no. And it was at that moment that I could begin to smile. And I knew that I had a commitment that I wanted to learn Greek because I wanted to pass that class, because I wanted to go on in seminary. And from that moment on, because I knew I really wanted it, I knew that I would finish, and I did. And it was because Dr. Wessel chided us, and he had the authority as an eloquent student of the word, a scholar known around the world in Greek, he had the authority to rebuke us. Now think about God, the author of the word. And he says to us, I want you to read all of my Bible. I gave it to you to read. And what if he says to us, have you done your homework? Hey, tell me what's in Genesis chapter 3. Oh, God, I'm sorry I didn't do my homework. All right, let's try something easier. What's in Matthew chapter 1? Oh, Matthew. It's the New Testament, right? All right, all right. What if God came to you right now and says, how well do you know my word? And he says, all right, I want each of you to go out. I don't want you to think about whether or not you're really serious about reading the word of God. I want you to tell me if you're really serious about doing what I tell you to do. I want to know if you're really serious when you say you love me. Because if you love me, you will obey me. And you can't obey me if you don't know my word. And so God chides us, but he loves us. And so there is a fear of the Lord in our hearts. And when we read it, the Bible says that the words of God are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey on the comb. All of us can understand that the word of God might be more precious than anything we could buy. But what's this honey thing? The honey thing is that the word of God is something that we eat. In Hasidic Jew tradition, Hasidic Jews, the word Hasidic in, is actually comes from a Hebrew word that means piety. And it was actually begun, this Hasidic sect of Judaism was begun in the early 18th century as a response to legalism in the Jewish faith. And the people that were Hasidic decided that they wanted to have a faith that was more real and that there was piety that was genuine and not legalistic. And so they started to study and to worship God on their own in this special way. And they had a tradition where they would take their three-year-old boys, and that was when they would begin school, and they would take them to school for the very first time, and they would put them in front of the, front of the congregation, and they would receive a book, and on the book were letters of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. And on those letters was put honey. They would put honey on those letters. And the boys would come up, and they would lick the honey off of the letters. 
And the reason was so that they would know from the very beginning of their ability to understand and to course, I mean to put together language, that the word of God was sweet. And this is what God wants for us. To lick and digest his word so that we will be able to put it all together in our hearts. And so we're going to be reading the story together. And it's going to help us. Now, the story is a chronological version of the Bible. So it does begin with Genesis. But it's a chronological version of the Bible. We'll understand more about that next week. But it's also a condensed version. So it's not all of the Bible. But the text in here is the New International Version, the same one we use most weeks. And so we are going to read through this. Now, this is not a replacement for the Bible. right? This is a resource to help us to read the whole Bible. But as we read it in these 31 chapters, we're going to know the whole story of God's Word. And we're going to be teaching it not only through this, through our worship on Sundays, but also you'll be able to get it through encouragement of emails. You can, you'll be able to go online. And there's a website called thestory.com. We'll give you the password next week so that you'll be able to go in there and get the resources that you need, be able to hear other messages about it be able to see things so that you can go deeper into God's Word. There's devotions in there. And I went on there, and I've been looking through this amazing website for the last month. And as I was listening to a message that was about today's message, I was so encouraged by this pastor, Dave Stone. And so I want to quickly go through three points that he went through. And he, as he looked through Luke 24, 13 through 35, and so this is a story, and I want you to turn there, Luke 24, 13 to 35. And you can just read it in your outline if you want, or you can take a Bible that's on the floor. Open up your Bible to Luke 24. And Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been put into the tomb. But Jesus has risen to life. And this is a story about two disciples who are walking along a road, and our story begins like this in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing them, him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more... It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels and said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. These two disciples had heard that Jesus had risen from the dead. They had heard a story from the women that had gone to the grave earlier that morning. But their hearts were still downcast. They still didn't believe. They didn't know how to believe. 
And so Jesus comes to them and walks along with them. And he brings his story of the resurrection and life to their story. And what he shows us, and what God wants us to know, is that just as these disciples were downcast, just as these disciples were confused, just as these disciples were hurting, that God comes along us in those times as well. And that God cares deeply about your story. God cares deeply about who you are. God cares deeply about what you're going through. God cares deeply about your dreams. God cares deeply about your nightmares. God cares deeply about who you are and what you are right now and where you're going and what you will be. God has a plan. And it's in his story. And he wants us to read his story so that we can know him. It's interesting because Jesus hides himself from them. He doesn't reveal himself right away. And I think that this is because it allows these disciples to just be themselves. If Jesus had shown himself to be resurrected right away, they would go, oh, Jesus, it's true, you're alive. And they would hug him and they would love him and they wouldn't have been able to express the reality and confess, you know, we didn't believe. We're hurting and we don't understand. We're confused and we don't know what to do. And so Jesus sometimes hides himself from us for our own good. Not because he's trying to not be with us, but so that we will want him to be with us even more. In those times where we wonder where God is, he is with us, but we just don't feel it at that time. And yet, as we read the story, we learn that God cares about us and that God is with us and he has a message for us. Go on now to verse 25 through 27. And Jesus begins to tell these disciples, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the the prophets had spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. These disciples had a Walt Wessel moment with Jesus. He rebuked them and he said, how could you be so foolish? How could you be so slow of heart? When someone loves you and someone has authority in your life, we know we need that kind of challenge. We know we need that kind of rebuke. Because it comes in an amazing love that says, I love you so much that I will do whatever it takes to help you to get what you truly want and what you truly need. And what you truly want and what you truly need is me, is what Jesus is saying. And so as he spoke about the Moses laws, as he spoke about the prophets to them, what an amazing sermon these two disciples must have heard. And yet what Jesus said is all of this, all of the Old Testament points to me. Now he hadn't yet revealed himself to them. But he says that all the scriptures of the Old Testament are all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what God's story is about. It's about our Lord. So that we know in the Bible that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. The Old Testament is saying Jesus is coming. 
And when we read in the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read that Jesus is here. And then when we read from Acts to Revelation, we learn that Jesus is coming again. So we need to be ready. And we become ready by reading the Word of God and by digesting it and understanding it for ourselves and by obeying it so that we know all the scriptures. We are familiar with all of them. Now, to those disciples, all the scriptures was the Old Testament. But to us, it's the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and you have that there on your outline. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. Would you read it with me? Let's begin. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is for every man of God and every woman of God, that God wants us to read the scriptures because all of them are from God. All of them are useful for teaching. All of them are useful for correcting. All of them are useful for us to become people who are right and righteous with God. Look below in Romans 15, 4, and it says something similar. Would you read it with me? For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. The Scripture tells us, it acknowledges that it's going to be a challenge to us. And so it says that it itself encourages us to read it. And it itself encourages us as we read it. And it's all the scriptures that were written in the past. And it encourages us for what? It encourages us to have hope. And as we read the scriptures, we begin to see the beauty of God's hope in our lives and in the world. We live in a world that seemingly is full of chaos and war and problems. But God has a hope that overcomes this world. If we learn of this hope through his word. And God's story is still being written. It's still being written in your life. The hope of God can continue to go on from Jesus and these disciples to us today and to others that we know. This hope will be meant to be shared as they too learn that God's story is still being written. God's story is being written on our story. We have a story. And as the first point said, God cares about our story. God cares about us. And Jesus is what the story is about. And this story is still being written on our stories. Look what happens as they begin to continue to walk with Jesus in verse 28. As they approach the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. 
and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now they understand. Jesus has fully revealed himself to them. When they began to break bread, they began to see again, this is our Lord, it is true, he has risen. They now began to see Jesus working in their story, in their life, as it continues. They had gone through the heartbreak, but now they're going with a burning heart. And that God is going to do the same thing in our lives to build a fire in our hearts as we learn of the story of him so that our stories become brighter, our stories become warmer, our stories become more compassionate, our story can be shared with others because we understand that in our story there is a higher story that's going on. There's a lower story, things that are happening in our lives here on earth, even for Jesus. The lower story was that he had to go to the cross. The lower story happened when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, Asking God if it's possible that this cup could be taken from him. But not my will, but yours be done. It was his story, the lower story that Jesus lived in the flesh. that had experienced the pain of the nails and the whippings and the flogging. And Jesus understands us in our lower story. And the disciples didn't understand the lower story at the time. They didn't understand. They had heard that Jesus was risen from the dead, but they were still stuck in their lower story. Their memory was of Jesus dying. But now there's an upper story. A story that God has written in the heavens. A story that God had promised in Genesis. A story that is bigger than what we normally understand. It is a story of God's purposes for his kingdom for eternity. And God has a bigger story in each of our lives. We don't know always why we're suffering. We don't know always why we're so blessed. We don't know why certain things happen. That's the lower story. But we can be absolutely certain that our sovereign God who loves us and cares for us has an upper story, a story that will change our lives for his eternity and for his good, and that God wants it for his glory, and yet he loves us and shares his glory with us. God wants us to know his heart. And so this is what we are going to do. We are going to learn the story with Jesus. It was interesting because you read there that Jesus acted as if he was going to walk away. And so they've been walking along the road for quite some time so that Jesus could teach them. And now it's getting dark and the sun is setting and the disciples have come to the place where they were planning to get. And the disciples begin to turn into the home and Jesus begins to keep walking. Well, why would Jesus do that? Well, it wouldn't have been very polite to just sort of keep walking with the disciples and assume that he could go in and stay with them. And so Jesus did what was appropriate. He acted as if he was going away. And then the disciples, who were just so enthralled with him, invited him in. And there's a story there for us. That we must invite Jesus in to each place of our life so that we can know his story It just doesn't happen automatically. It happens as we read it. And it happens as we read it and as we share it. And so in the coming weeks and in the coming months, we are going to be learning of the story of Jesus Christ and of the Bible and of God's story and lives for everybody. We're going to be doing it through personal reading 
That's why everybody's going to get a story. That's why our children are going to get a story. We're going to be doing it in our small groups. Obviously, we're doing it here, not only in our worship services, but also in our Promise Land Sunday School for the children. The park, the youth group's going to be doing it. They're going to be on the same page with us. You're going to be able to do it in family times. You're going to be getting it through emails, and a weekly blog is going to be up on our Facebook website as well as our own church website to encourage us to read the story. Why? So that we'll know it, yes. But even more than that, there's something else. And that is so that we will share it with others. Notice that the disciples didn't keep the story to themselves. In fact, they couldn't contain it. They had to share it. And so they gave it to others. And they said, it's true. They went and told the other disciples, it is true. We've seen the Lord. He has risen from the dead. And so as Jesus describes himself in our story, then what naturally happens is we want to share his story with other people. And so today, you're going to be able to pick up a story for yourself. But I want to encourage you that if you can think of somebody, even right now, somebody that you would want to invite to hear the story with us, then pick up one for them. And Glenn's going to explain to us in just a few minutes how you can do that. And invite them to join us and join you as we learn the story of God. In two weeks, we'll be having our friendship day. What a wonderful time to invite our friends, our family, to come and to hear the story as we begin this amazing adventure with God. We'll begin next week, and as you have the story, you'll begin to read it the week before. And so all of the study and all of your work beforehand will culminate then in the Sunday message. So the Sunday message will be a summary of what you have learned through the week, not giving you an encouragement to read the story of that one for the next week. So the, the, the focus then is on us at home. The focus is that we read the story, we read the God. We read of what God has written for us so that then on Sundays we come and we review it and we summarize it and we see the key points and we pray together as a community that what we've learned in the story will become our story as a congregation, our story as a people, our story as harvest, our story as God uses us for his story to the end of time. I want to encourage you that this is a good thing to do and that God will be with you as you do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for promising to us that you are going to give us a burning desire for your word as we read your word together. Lord, help us to read it with joy. Help us to read it with enthusiasm. Help us to read it because we want to know the whole story that you give to us so that we might know the story of your grace and of your love fulfilled in Jesus Christ and the promise of your faithful love for all eternity to be with you in heaven. Lord, we pray, help us to learn your story in Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask Glenn to come forward right now, and he's going to explain to you um, how you're going to pick up your copies of the story. Hi, everyone. Um, on your way over here, I'm not sure if you noticed, uh, there are two tables outside. One table is for distributing the story for adults. Uh, we have uh, hardcover books. If you look, you can find them on Amazon, but they are currently, I believe, $14 for the hardcover. And the Kindle version just recently went up to $11. I just checked it on my phone. 
uh, we were able to get it for $5 a piece. So that's what we're offering it to you at cost. So please, uh, after service, please go out there, sign in, and get your copy of the story. Uh, the program rec recommends that each person gets their own copy, but we'll leave that up to you. Um, also, if you're not able to pay today either by cash or check, go ahead and sign in and just let us know how many books you took because you need to begin reading this week. Is that correct, Professor Curtis? Reading Chapter 1 so that you'll be ready for next week. Um, on the table next to it, to the right of it, we will have a table to distribute the story for the children. Uh, we have various versions for each age group. We already have your... Uh, your information down. So all you need to do is go to that table and we will hand you the books that are appropriate for your children. For the kids sixth grade and up through the teens, uh, they are going to be getting their books directly from Ben. So he's back there. So go ahead and go to him uh, directly for that. Uh, we really encourage everyone to get their books and begin reading together as a family and take the story journey together. Uh, we're going to continue in our worship with giving back to the Lord.